Let's go ahead and get into what God has for us on today. Now, the title of this message is Being Rich, but I don't want you to go off uh, on one side or the other because the direction of it is probably not what you are thinking today, okay? So you're saying it's not being rich in my bank account? Well, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet, okay? And so I want to kind of do a, put a little test, few test questions out there today. I want to ask us a few questions for us to determine for ourselves whether we think we are rich or not. I know one. Have you ever opened up your closet that has a clo it's a closet full of clothes and say to yourself, I don't have nothing to wear? I am so guilty of that. A lot of you ladies need to put amen in. I'm, put your <laughs> hand up. Put that hand up. Not just up. the ladies. Do something. Men too. Men yeah, do men that too. also. Okay, all right. Number two, second question here. Have you ever traded in a perfectly good car for another one? So in other words, you know what? I'm just tired of this one. I've had it for six months now. I think I want to do something six different. Months? Six months, a year, two years. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Here's another question. This is a good one. This is a real good one, especially for, the, uh, for our younger generations. Have you ever just traded in your phone for the newest version? Have you ever traded in your phone for the newest version? Because you know the newest version got those new lenses out. You Perfectly know. good phone. This Perfectly one works just fine. Works just fine, but, you know, I, I need, I need a better camera. I need that new version. Yeah, I need good more question. battery life. Good question. Next question. Have you ever just gone shopping to relax? I'm just <laughs> bored today, so I just want to go and just relax a little bit. Just go shopping without even thinking about it. You're guilty. I'm guilty. I want to tell on my husband while I was out, my daughter called me and says, Mommy, since you've been gone, Daddy been ordering all, of, all kinds of stuff. There's been packages on the doorway ever since you've been gone. It relaxes. So it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not just the ladies, okay? Amen. Here's another good one. I mean, and this is now R-E-A, -E Joni. She is the BOGO queen. But have you ever gone grocery shopping, especially you ladies, and didn't think about what you were spending? You know, some of us just do the BOGO thing like Joni does, but other people, we, you know, like, I need my, I need my, I need mine. You go grocery shopping, and especially if you go to that one store where you come, you buy 10 things and you end up spending $100. All right. Yeah. All right. So if you answer yes to any of those questions, you just might be rich. Yep. And I know a lot of times we, we think rich is the other guy. Yeah. That's not me. But typically, rich is just having more than what you need. Yep. And a lot of times, we take for granted that there are so many people around this world that don't even have what we need, what we believe we need. And so it's so important to understand that rich is not the other person in a lot of cases. I have to realize that rich can sometimes be me. And the problem is, a lot of times, we don't actually know that we're rich. Mm. And that can be a challenge. And a lot of times when you don't know you're rich, it's because we're always wanting more. We're never satisfied with what we currently have. You know, I was, when we were pre preparing for this, I was looking up articles and doing some research on stats. And, it, and according to the CNBC stock and business article, if your net worth, your net worth being how much you own or earn, Minus how much you owe. If your net worth is, a, is over $93,170, you are richer than 90% of the world. If your net worth is over $93,170 as of 2019, you are richer than over 90% of the entire world. That's about $7 billion. 
is it about seven billion people? Somebody ought to thank God right yes. now for everything that you have. Because <laughs> a lot of times we don't realize that what we have is so far greater than what the rest of the world is experiencing. Can yes. you do that for me right now? Just lift your hands yes, right where you're thank at. Thank God. And be thankful for what you currently have. Don't think about having more. Just thank God for what you yes, have. Yes, yes. Because in most cases, it is greater than 90% of this world. Exactly. So I am convinced that most of us are richer than what we realize as far as money is concerned. But it's one thing to be rich in the world's wealth, but it's another thing to be rich in God. And our goal and purpose today is to make you and empower you to be good at that. Be good at being rich towards God. I realize every single time we have to say goodbye or see you later to a loved one that what we possess matters not to God. And definitely our not to the person who's transitioned. Yeah, and what, but what matters to God is how rich we are in Him. So good. So that's our assignment for the next couple of weeks weeks is to teach us how to be rich towards God. Amen. Now, our foundation text will be in Luke chapter 12, and the text will be verses 13 through 21. But I want to give you some of the background before we get to it, because once we get to it, the background will give more context to what Jesus is actually doing. So in this chapter, at the beginning of it, Jesus is talking specifically to his disciples. And he's really sharing a, a message with them and a sermon with them about the importance of following him and that persecution comes along with following him. And remember, persecution is pressure that's brought on by people. And he specifically is talking to them about life. He's talking about death. He's talking about hypocrisy. He's talking about hell. But I love the emphasis that he placed on uh, here in this uh, particular text, that if the disciples would fear God, they would never have to fear anything on this earth. That's right. And that right. is a master key to life right there, that if you will fear and reverence God, you will never have to fear anything that this life will throw at you. So while he's talking to his disciples, all of a sudden a, a man comes up to him and he interrupts him while he's talking to his disciples and he asks Jesus a question about money, probably more specifically about his own personal wealth. But Jesus, in all of his wisdom, he uses that as an opportunity, and he turns from the disciples, and he turns to a crowd. There are thousands of people that are present. He turns from specifically talking to the disciples, and he uh, tells the entire crowd, and he gives them a warning about putting your trust in your possessions greater than your trust in God. So he used that opportunity in that moment to educate thousands of people about the importance of not putting your trust in possessions. So when we look at this text, text we want to learn three truths about life, greed, and then being generous with other people. Let's now read Luke chapter 12. Let's read verses 13 through 21. Again, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Please follow along with me. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13 says, then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Verse 14 says, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness, 
For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Listen very carefully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Since I have no more room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So three truths about life, greed, and being generous with others. We'll probably only cover one, one. today. So I encourage you to continue to follow along in the weeks to come. But number one, life is more than money and possessions. Let me say that again. Life is more than money and possessions. I know that we're in the midst of a very unusual season. I know that many of people are dealing with financial woes. I know that there are many of people struggling and, and seemingly uh, having to face issues with their employment. I realize that, but, my, but your life is not just tied up into that. Money is more than life and possessions. If we go back to Luke chapter 12, and I'll just read again from verses 13 through 15 because I believe it's worthy of repeating. It says, then from the crowd said to him, Jesus is, uh, this is this. Now, mind you, Jesus is talking to his disciples, but it says in this previous scriptures that the crowd was innumerous. In fact, there was too many people to count. So there was a lot of people there looking for an opportunity to get face to face with Jesus. But Jesus is focusing his attention on the disciples. And as he is talking to his disciples, dude comes up and says, teacher, teacher, listen, I hear you. I hear you. But I need you to talk to my brother about giving me my part of the inheritance. He says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And then Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge and an arbitrator between you and your brother? And he said to them, take heed and be aware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. In other words, Jesus is like, hey, I'm not, that's not my business here. That's not what I'm here for. This is not a part of my job description right now. Now, this passage of man's possessions, in this, pa in this passion, it says here that a man's money keeps him from hearing what Jesus has to say. That's exactly what's going on. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and this numerous people that are, have the access now and the ability to eavesdrop, to get some eternal advice, to get some eternal teaching. And dude is so caught up that he's like, okay, I hear you. But with that being said, talking about a good life, I need for you to talk to my brother about my inheritance. And Jesus is like, no, back up. Since you have interrupted me, let me now use you as an example to the numerous people that are standing right here. You can't let covetousness possess you because you are not defined by what you have or the lack of what you have. Amen. You are defined by who you are in Christ. Yeah. And when you're good in him, he says, just like what Pastor Gregory just got through saying, 
if you fear him and you're good in him, there's nothing that can hold you back. That's so good. And so if you can see the context there, and a lot of times I think this is really symbolic of church. You know, we can be sitting in here in a great message from God, but be distracted by a bill that needs to be paid. Uh-huh. Or distracted by, I need transportation. Be distracted by some possessions that we need and really miss out on the truth of what God is saying, that if we'll get that truth, it'll take care of the possessions that exactly. we believe we need. Exactly. So that's the context here. Jesus is talking about doctrinal real-life issues, life, death, hell. He's talking about real stuff. And the man says, I don't have time for that. I got to talk about my money. He interrupts him. I Imagine. got my mind on my money, got and my, my money is on my mind. On my, my mind on my money, and my money on my mind, Jesus. Listen, forget that. Forget what you're talking about right now. Tell the disciples to hold on for a second. Pause. I got to get my money. My brother is holding on to my stuff, and I need it. Let's give a little background here to this passage to help us understand it just a little bit more. In the Old Testament, the background is helpful to understanding the situation of why the man went to Jesus to arbitrate a situation between he and his brother. In the Old Testament, when the parents passed, the inheritance would be divided up between the children, but the oldest male would be the one in charge. So the assumption here is that this is the younger brother. Some of you older brothers out there know what I'm talking about, bullying the younger brother, right? So this is the younger brother, I'm assuming, approaches Jesus and saying, hey, Jesus, he's not being right about the inheritance. Take care of this for me so that I can get my money. And so, you know, all of us have had loved ones go on. You know how uh, in the world they say where there's a will, there's a way? <laughs> what I've learned a lot of times when loved ones pass on where there's a will, there's also a quarrel, uh -huh. an argument, a huge fight over who's getting what. Yeah. And then it no longer becomes about the person that we say that we love that has moved on to be with God. It's now about a fight over who's going to get what's left. Now, I don't have time to take you there to look at it, but because I said it, I want you to go reference it for yourself in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, you'll actually see the New Testament reference for what I just described. So now, then that means I'm sure this is the younger brother mm -hmm. who just assumed that Jesus was going to squash the entire situation because that's what the priest would that's do, the right? The, the priest do. or the rabbi would basically do the Matthew 18 on them. They would settle the argument. Right. And Jesus is like, I'm not here to settle your arguments. I'm here to give you eternal truths. And you just walk in those eternal truths. truths. Those arguments will take care of themselves and you will come into a revelation of there's no greater getting than me. So a good revelation there had both brothers just obeyed the word, there would have been nothing to quarrel about. Right. Would have been nothing to fight about. So a lot of our fights come outside of the word of God. That if we as Christians would just let that be the final authority, then we don't have anything to fight about. Exactly. In fact, Jesus makes it very clear when he says, man, in verse 14, <laughs> I love it. He says, man, who made me judge and arbitrator for you? And so th basically he's saying, this is not in my job description. This is not what I'm called to do. This is not who you are, and this is not who I'm about to be for you. So if you want to talk about spiritual things, let's talk about spiritual things. But since you don't want to talk about spiritual things, we're going to address you publicly. So being rich then, Jesus uses this dispute 
of over an inheritance to teach about the danger and the attraction to possessions. So after Jesus rebukes the man, once again, he turns to the crowd and he uses this opportunity to now educate thousands of people. Now, I want to be real clear. He, he said, take heed and be aware of covetousness. Yep. How many know Jesus wouldn't take time to say that if we didn't need to take heed and we didn't need to be aware of it? Amen. Right? He wouldn't have said that, right? And he says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say it didn't consist of possessing things. He says it doesn't consist in the abundance of possessing things. So right. we have to ask ourselves the question is how much is enough? That's good. Do I need to tear my closet down and build bigger, a bigger closet so I can get more of my clothes in there? Or should I just take the clothes that I don't wear anymore and give them to someone less fortunate than I am and go out and buy new ones for myself? Uh, right? And when is enough enough? Do I have enough shoes in the closet? Do I have enough cars in the driveway? Come on, somebody. Do I have enough phones? When is enough enough? And when, at what point do we say, I have what I need? Let me think about someone who's less fortunate than I am so that I can be a blessing to them. A lot of isn't times that, this doesn't come across our mind. You know, isn't that how man fell in the first place? Yep. Satan convinced Eve, then Adam, that who they were wasn't enough. Yeah. Four times that man said, I, and eight times he said, my. Same way Satan said, I will be like. Yes. I will be like. So once we get the focus off of I and get it on us, we can begin to yes. grow. Yes. Get it on God. So now, what is greed? A lot of times we don't think about this. What is greed? Greed simply defined as this. Greed is to want more than you need. Mm. It's to want more than you need. So greed is not tied to how much you have. You can be rich and still greedy. Watch this. You can be poor and greedy. Yeah. You can be middle class and greedy because at the core of greed is just I'm not satisfied with what I have. I have to have more. Mm, in fact, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, this is so good, in verses 9 through 10 in the Amplified, it says, But those who are not financially ethical and crave to get rich with a compulsive, greedy longing for wealth, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, leading to personal misery. Mm. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, that is the greedy desire for it and the willingness to gain it unethically. In other words, getting it at any cost is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through and through with many sorrows. In fact, he's saying, basically he's saying that when we pursue money, we, will, we can't help. It's, in, it's, in the, it's on the road that we will deal with misery. We will pierce ourselves and compromise who we are, even in Christ, when our pursuit is money. There's a misnomer out there that if you're a Christian and rich, you must be blessed of the Lord. Not really. <laughs> Wow. Say <laughs> lie on that. It's not always the fact. 
just because someone is Christian and say that they're saved and go to church. And, and most of the people that I know that are well off or are presumably well off, yeah, they are blessed. But there's a lot that I know that it might not so be so much that they're more blessed than anybody else. So this is Serve Month here at Linked Up Church. That's right. Now, I know the pandemic doesn't allow us to do everything that we want to do, but all of us can do something. That's right. I'll say that again. The pandemic doesn't allow for us to do everything that we want to do, but all of us can do something. Yes. Every single one of us, because we are all, wherever we're at in life, we are all doing better than someone else. That's right. I need a little better amen in that. I said no matter where we are in life, we are all doing way better than a lot of other people. There is so it's important to give back. It's important to, to sow. It's important right. to serve. It's important to help, right? Even today is step two. You can become a part of the linked up family today because this is at the core of what we are called to do. If God planted us in this community, then this community should get better as a result of us being in it. That's right. So once you right. join Linked Up Church, you become a part of something that is less about us and more about the people that God has called us to serve. We want to be more outward focused than we are inward focus. It blessed me so much when, when this first started and it continues on till now, where how many people that is a part of the linked up church family contacted us wanting to be a blessing. Already ahead of it. Already ahead of it. Now, I mean, I'd say we probably got more people that wanted to be a blessing than the other. Now, there's plenty of other that we need to serve and we need to help and we have by way of outreach in this community. But there are so many of you that said, hey, how can I contribute? How can I help? How can I be a blessing? If there's a family that needs something, how can I do it? And I just thank God that we've been in a position surrounded by a linked up church family, a church family, a Christ family that's empowered and enabled us to be the facilitator of such. That's the blessing that we get to pastor such great people. Yes, yes. I mean, people, uh, there's so many stories we can tell that we just don't talk about publicly. But the people have taken care of each other. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And that's the beauty here. They came to us and said, we don't want you all to have to care for all of these people. We set aside something to care for people who are in need. That's the kind of people that linked up church gets to pastor. Yes. The purpose of this message is to get more of this in our community until we all look like people who care about others as much as we care about ourselves. Yes. Now, I've got a funny joke. I believe it's funny. How many of y'all would like to hear it? Oh, Lord. I need a little, if I share it, I need to know you want to hear it. How many of y'all want to hear this joke? I mean, I believe it is hilarious. If you want to hear the joke, put something in there that just lets, lets me know. Say it, Pastor. All right, I saw a few of them. No, I didn't see it. <laughs> Here's the joke. There was a pastor that came to church on a Sunday morning, and there was a young man, and the young man was looking extremely sad. And so the pastor goes over to him, and the pastor says, why are you so sad, young man? And the young man says, because my uncle died two weeks ago, and he left me $75,000. Then my aunt died one week ago, and she left me $50,000. And so the pastor said, well, why are you sad? Wait a minute. Your uncle left you $75,000 two weeks ago. Your aunt left you $50,000 a week ago. Why are you so sad? And the young man said, 
because nobody in my family died this week. It was funny to me. <laughs> that was hilarious to me. <laughs> but that is a picture, believe it or not, whether we are, it's a fictitious story. But I mean, that's a picture of the way a lot of us can be sometimes, right? It's really thinking about just in this situation, how can I get more? And not in this situation, how can I help people more? Yeah. See, believe it or not, we're in a situation where people in our world are hurting. Uh -huh. And the church needs to be thinking about how can we help people more, yeah. not how can we help ourselves. You know, the church is called to be salt and light. Yes. Salt preserves. Light illuminates. We're called to teach and exemplify but we're also called to preserve, and sometimes preserving means sharing our wealth, sharing our resources, sharing our abilities, sharing our time, sharing our service, our gifts, our talents to those that are without. And that's what brings glory to God. So, I have a question. How do you know when you're being, oh, I don't want to say that. How do we identify greed? How do we identify greed? Let me term it like that. Does, I think that sounds a little bit better. We got our exhorter. I don't know if Bernard's out there, but Bernard's like, let's term it a little bit nicer. So how do we identify greed? There are two measuring sticks for greed. Two, two measuring sticks for greed. The first one, A, are you satisfied with what you have? Are you satisfied with what you have? And Paul paints a beautiful picture on the other side of being a recipient of a gift. In Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 10 through 13 in the Passion, let me read it to you. It says, My heart overflows with joy when I think of how you showed your love to me by your financial support to my ministry. For even though you have so little, you still continue to help me at every opportunity. He, he says, he acknowledges, you don't have a lot but yet you're always ready and willing and able to help. Yeah. For even though you have so little, you have, you have still continued to help me with every opportunity. I am not telling you this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things. So he says, I'm trained. I'm prepared. I know how to overcome. I know the secret of overcoming in all things. In other words, I fear God. I trust God. When I'm lacking, all right, I know God's got me. But when I'm abundant, I know God's got me no matter what. I can't put my trust in my possessions, what it looks like. I walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, so whether in fullness or in hunger, I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. A lot of us run around uh, uh, quoting, I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ um, who strengthens me. Not realizing that, hey, what it's really saying is that I can do all things whether I don't have it or whether I do have it. I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. And so what, what Paul is saying that, hey, whether I am, that whether I have it or whether I don't have it, I know that I can put my trust in God and he's got it. Yeah. So therefore, the opposite of greed is contentment, not complacency. Not complacency. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. You can be content and still striving to get better. 
still going for that degree, still finishing and getting that high school diploma, still learning more about getting a better job, still learning more about being a better parent, still learning more about being striving to be a better spouse. Complacency, though, is lukewarm, and God says he spits that out of his mouth. In other words, you're just, you're just settling right where you are. There's no reason if, if you're well able, you know, we're dealing with a crisis right now where people who are really out of work and don't have a job to go to cannot collect unemployment because there are people who have a job but are opting for unemployment because they say my unemployment gives me more than my job. And in, in Michigan, there are people that's just using COVID, you know, and I won't get into that because people watch us from all over the place. But they basically have no symptoms but said, I'm not feeling well. So I'm going to self-quarantine for, for a few weeks and collect unemployment, but they're perfectly fine. And so really when we're talking about the first point of the measuring stick, which is are you satisfied with what you have, we've got to learn how to be content. Paul said, I learned that whatever state I'm in, he said, I'm always full and, and I'm always hungry. So in other words, learn how to stay right in the middle of the road, right? If life is going great, praise God. If life is not going great right now, praise God. Because when you learn how to stay in the middle of the road and you put God first, if you give it a little time, it's all getting ready to level itself out over time. Right. Somebody type in, I am content. That is such a position of power in the kingdom of God. That's a position of, Father, I don't have everything that I want, but I have everything that I need. And I'm thankful and for I'm everything thankful. that you and have I'm blessed thankful. me with. I'm yes. grateful for everything yes. that I have. Father, I give you the glory for it. Thank yes. you for every ounce of food I get to eat. Thank you for having a roof over my head. Thank you for having shoes on my feet. Yes. Thank you for having clothes. Thank you for a closet to put the clothes in. Just learning how to live there is such a position of power in the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Thankfulness. Living with an attitude of gratitude compels you to understand and identify with others that may not. Yeah. That may not, that may be without. Now understand this. I'm gonna, I have to reiterate this. Nothing's wrong with wanting a better house. Nothing's wrong with wanting a nicer car. Nothing's wrong with wanting nice things, but when the desire to get that drives you, when you're restless until you get it, when it's your goal, purpose, and pursuit, and not God, that's when there's a problem. I'm, I'm not happy if I don't have that. Because I that, need that to make me happy. Exactly, because that takes the place of God. And although we don't acknowledge idol worship in the way it was in the Old Testament, people worship idols all day, every day. So believe it or not, in the kingdom, we're talking about being rich towards God. In the kingdom, a poor person that is interested in helping someone less fortunate than them yes. is richer in God richer than in God. the rich person who has a bunch of possessions but won't help anybody less fortunate than themselves. Amen. So when we talk about being rich in God, Everything that we do for other people, we get to send it ahead of us, and it has eternal value. I don't know how many of you all are investors, but I'm telling you, there's no greater investment on this earth than to put your money into the kingdom and your resources, your time, and your talent in the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's uh, close right here for today. We're just going to get through point number one. Letter B, or the second measuring stick, is this one. It really, what she just shared, uh, Pastor Trish leads right into it. 
Does the wealth that you have cause God to take second place in your life? Does the wealth that you have cause God to take second place in your life? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, out of the Amplified, first verse my grandmother gave me when I gave my life to Christ. Rest in peace, Grandma. First verse she gave me. Matthew 6, 33, the Amplified says, But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, and strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. That's good. And all these things will be given to you also. Yes, yes. So anytime we leave God out of something, how many of y'all know we're being greedy? Yep. So when God blesses us with a house, but he can't visit it, how many of you know that's being greedy? Mm. And what I mean by that is you can't have connect groups in your home. You can't invite people that are in your neighborhood. You don't use what God blessed you with, come on somebody, to build his kingdom. How I many you know a lot of times God blesses us with a car, but he can't ride in it? Yeah. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What do you mean by that? Do, do you use that car to pick people up, to help people? Do you use that car to serve God with? I mean, a lot of times, God, I'm not getting a whole lot of amens right now. I'm glad we're back. I mean, a lot of times, God blesses us with money, but he can't have none of it. It, it becomes a real fight over who that belongs to. Thank you for all that enthusiasm and excitement. I feel it all through the screen right now. It's coming at me. At, I'm talking about I can feel the signals and the waves from all of the social media interaction right now. This is going viral right now because think about it, folks. If God cannot have a part of what he's blessed us with, then that's an indication that we're greedy. Yeah. All God is saying is if you will put him first, you'll never come in last. That's good. That's good. If you'll put him first, you'll never come in second. If you'll put him first, you will always have more possessions than you will ever need. You will always be in a place where you'll have to think about what, do I, what should I do with everything that God has blessed me with. So now, is God second to your possessions? Mm. Is God second to your possessions? I just wanted you to think about that for a minute. Is God second to your possessions? Can I share a quick testimony? Please. I'm about to tell on myself. This is some time ago. I had a very expensive, two expensive suits. Uh, my husband had blessed me with them some time ago. And, you know, and I knew I wasn't going to wear them because I had pictures and everything all over with the, that suit on. I was like, I can't wear that suit. And so God had been dealing with me about giving these two suits away, right? And I didn't want to. I didn't want to at all. So they stayed in my closet. One year goes by, nope. Two years go by, nope. And so finally, God says, all right, you holding yourself back. Finally, I said, okay. And this is up in Michigan. I finally blessed that, those suits forward. Um, no, it wasn't in Michigan. It was here. I blessed those suits forward, and I promise you, no more than about two weeks later, my husband comes and blesses me with, a, with a, an allowance for an entirely new wardrobe. And he told, and I, and I heard the Spirit of God say, and he used that term, says, you're being greedy with what you think you own, but you own nothing. That's it, that's it. Woo! Jesus. That's the 
And so he said, so wear it loosely. That's so good. Man, that's so good. That's so good. So sometimes that tight fist could be holding you back from something greater that God has for you. That just leads me. I think the two greatest decisions Linked Up Church made at the beginning of this pandemic, the number one decision God led us to make was to keep the staff whole and to keep the vendors whole. Somebody ought to, in this room ought to thank God for that right now. I, I should have seen somebody's head take a lap around this bill. I should have saw a little head just fly by here right there. Two of the greatest decisions God led us to make. Because typically in a time of a pandemic, what are you doing? Holding on to what you Shutting have. Down. And how many know it didn't make natural sense to do that? Natural sense from a business perspective is to now lean what? up. Lean up. Yep, lean and up. God specifically said to me, keep your staff whole and keep your vendors whole. Amen. And I'm telling you, folks, we have not missed a beat. We have not lost anything. Why? Because God was teaching us as leaders to value people over possessions. And anytime you put at the heart of your decision what's at the heart of God, you're always going to advance your cause further. That's right. And so we'll just end right here. I want to end with two challenges. I want to challenge you all to uproot greed in your life this week. All of us have it. You can sit there and look at me like that all you want to, but all of us are thinking about something we want right now. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. All of us are, we all do that, right? The next house, the next car, the next this, the next that, the next this, the next that. Let's all challenge ourselves this week to uproot greed out of our lives. So here's the challenge for you. Has God been dealing with you about giving something away, but you're trying to sell it? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Has Ouch. God been dealing with you about giving something away, but you're trying to sell it? That could be a car. That could be that purse on posh. That could be technology. That, that could be technology trying to sell that phone, and you know, you know somebody they still have the iPhone five, and you can give them that iPhone eight, whatever the case may be. But Absolutely. I remember That's one good. time God told me to give my car away to somebody that owed me money. Woo! Yeah. That, that right there all by itself. I it had to, make, I, it, it'll just make anger rise from your big toe all the way up through your yes, foot. Yes, Give Lord. them a car. They never paid me back to. Yes, see, Right there, right there. So let's challenge ourselves this week. So our challenge this week is to sow so that you could be rich towards God. Yep. And that's not always money. Our whole staff is going to Reflections of Trinity tomorrow, and we're going to sow our time, and we're going to help families that are less fortunate than we are. There serve opportunities on our website, right? Everyone can either pray, everyone can go, or some can go, and some can sow. But everyone can do something. Yes, can do something. Right? So I want to repeat that because it's not in your notes. This week's challenge. Has God been dealing with you about giving something away, but you're trying to sell it? Maybe you're not even trying to sell it. Maybe he's just been dealing with you about giving it away, but you love it so much you can't let it go. Mm, might be in your closet. Might be in your closet. Might be in your pocket. Might be in your garage. Might be in the driveway. Ooh. Maybe you live in it. I know he's told us we had worked really hard to, to pay a house off. 
And he told us to give it away. My God. But, but God. That was tough. But God. Ooh, that we was got tough. back. Man, how's this? You can't outgive God. It's impossible. Did you all get anything out of this today? Right? We'll just stop right there. We've got two more points to get through. We're talking about being rich towards God. That's ultimately where God wants you to live, and that's where God wants you to be. When you're rich towards God, you don't have to worry about lacking anything on this earth. One of the greatest ways to be rich towards God is by having a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's somebody out there watching right now. You don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So you might have a lot of possessions, but you can be really poor spiritually. And the Bible tells us, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? What's more valuable than your soul? Your soul will live for eternity. Make the greatest investment you can ever make. Make an investment in eternity today by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Yes, yes. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm that person. I let possessions take me away from God. I put God in second place, and I put chasing after money and my career and life and other things ahead of God. And this message really dealt with my heart today. And I want to rededicate my life. I want to come back to Christ. I want to re recommit my life back to God. If that's you, I want to pray with and for you today. If any one of those two invitations apply to you, I just want you to put your hand over your heart right now, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me right where you're at right now. If you're driving, however you're listening to this broadcast right now, if you're able, put your hand over your heart. If you're not, just say these words out of your mouth. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is, the Son of God. is the Son of God. I believe, I believe that, he died, that He died, rose from the grave, from the grave and He is alive, alive right, now. right now. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus come, into my heart come into my heart and save me now. Save me now. As, a result As a result of what I confess with my mouth, what I believe in my heart, I believe in my heart. I am right now, I am right now, born again, born again, and in right standing with God. In right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Both my wife and I, we believe with all of our heart that someone prayed that prayer sincerely. If you would, follow the instructions that are on your screen right now. They're going to tell you what your next step is if you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart. Maybe you're a person, just type in, uh, I prayed that prayer sincerely from, our, from my heart. Our social media team will see that and capture that, and they'll follow up with you. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right, and you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend, and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. If you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God, then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, 
their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.